Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Rolling a Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I'm your host, Tyler. And I am your scholarly co-host, Till. RWD is our podcast where we argue, debate, and sit here politely. Sounds about right to me. About various aspects of D&D 5th edition. Feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us at RWD Podcast. I'm going to have, I think, some things to tweet uh, for this show today. Oh, so, oh, so I believe so. So I'll probably have to send I'm going to you some links and some images. Yeah, I'm going to have to send you my a little document that I have that has all the shit that I did. Yeah. So uh, if you know you don't if you don't follow me on the Twitter and you're curious about the things we talked about today, go to it. Uh, I did I did tweet some things today prior to recording because we're recording this on Tuesday as per usual. Um, and somebody tweeted. And we can get to your thing in a second, but this was funny because I knew about it. Somebody tweeted. Um, to us or in uh, general? No, in general. And I replied, uh, "If you get injured with a rusty weapon in D anD D, do you take additional poison damage from tetanus?" Mm-hmm. I, I of course know the answer should be no, because first two things: tetanus is an anaerobic bacteria. If your wound is open to the air, it won't really get infected with tetanus. It's very unlikely. Uh, so piercing weapons, maybe right. But two, it would be a disease. It wouldn't be poison damage, right? Uh, and more than that, it would be quickly... It, there's an incubation period, so theoretically, as soon as you get any magical healing, as long as it doesn't take you days to get it, you'd be fine. You'd think that the healing would cure the bacteria yeah. in the wound? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So, really, really, no. no. Only a piercing weapon would give you tetanus, if any. Uh, but I, that sounds like a rule that definitely probably was a thing back in the day. Yes, which is what you wanted to bring up very quickly at the top of the show. Yeah, today. yeah. Just uh, I was reading an article, and this was a couple weeks ago. Um, two weeks ago, about not even, yeah. not even two weeks ago. Like, I, th- I think yeah. it was, I think it was October eleven 4th. days ago or some such. Whenever, yeah, October nine days from recording, eleven days from airing. So, um, but yeah, there was this article on Screen Rant talking about the uh, the old school revival movement, whereby people are looking for ways to play the old. You know, red box, blue box of D and D from back in the seventies and eighties. Um, and box, blue box. yeah, and other games that are kind of on that same bandwagon where they're using old school, stripped down, simple rules um, to make you know a nostalgic setting. Um, now, I, I have never played. D&D first edition. Uh, I've only ever done AD&D through like video games with AD&D rules. Um, and then I was in since third edition. Have you ever played old, old, old D&D? No, I would never waste my time. I don't know if it's a waste of time. But... As much as it is valuable to the development of the game currently, it's there's a reason we're here where we are now. Yes. And we're not just playing the same game. Yes. Because it wasn't as good. It was painful. Um, that, that, yes. I, I'm I'm interested in hearing from people who are wanting to play the game when it was so utterly impossible. It was you died all the time. It wasn't balanced. There wasn't a lot of customization. Right. It was just like a roguelike random dungeon. You crawled through and died. Yeah, and you'd you'd literally like you ask anyone that played, and I you read stories about it all the time. They would have folders with like 20 characters made 
because they knew they were going to die that many times. Now, to be fair, you have folders of 20 characters ready to go. I do not. I do not. I, I haven't made a new character in months. I find that surprising. I, I, I you know, there's no more well, like impromptu one shots. You know, we're not, true. we're not, you know, I'm not going out and just joining random groups. Um, so aside from the one that I made for the D&D celebration, last character I made was Anthony. The, uh, the my only thing about this article was just a larger question because it brings up a couple different um, RPGs that exist yep. now that you can mm -hmm. play to get this feel. I don't really want to go into them individually. I just want to talk about the notion that things are better when they're harder. Uh, some people like that. Uh, some people love the challenge of the game. Um, the idea that a 10-foot pole is useful because you have to tap every square in a room to see if it's trapped. And they love that tension and that anxiety and other people like fifth edition well i have mixed feelings about it as a concept right because when you're playing i, I played i you know i talked about in the show before i played a lot of dark souls yep i played world of warcraft for a long time and in the beginning those games had a high challenge threshold for a lot of it dark souls is notoriously a hard game mm -hmm. and by the time you get later in those games later warcraft expansions dark souls 3 it's noticeably easier because it's trying to have a larger audience Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people who, th who 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 very get very upset by this notion that the game has become easier, right? Like it's a badge of honor. Oh no, I played the hard version of the game, as opposed to well, we all had fun, right? Fuck your fun. <laughs> exactly. You know why? Why does it matter? Why is it a badge of honor that the game was hard? And you and you survived, as opposed to all well, the game was fun. I don't know if it's a badge of honor, more some so people. somebody is trying to uh, peacock a little bit, or gatekeep. Like, oh, you didn't play the hard version of the game; you played the nerfed version of the game. Yeah, like they just want to feel special that they did something that other people didn't. I think you have hit on it right there. Feeling special. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, what the bulk of the show today is about? Uh, feeling special, not really. Uh, we wanted to do a aesthetic episode. I'm very interested to see how this goes, considering this is a podcast, not a video cast. It is obviously an audio medium. <laughs> uh, so discussing art might be kind of challenging. So like I said at the beginning, I'm going to post stuff to Twitter, RWD podcast, mm -hmm. um, afterwards. So viewers can see stuff, um, like links to their websites for some artists, maybe some Google images, um, and then links to some some other stuff because we're gonna talk about art in the first segment and hopefully dice in the second segment. Yeah, I, and I think art will cover probably bleed into that second session because obviously we only have so much to say about dice. Um, I have a lot to say about dice, <laughs> but I have I have two caveats I want to get out before we start this. Please. Uh, the first being that uh, prior to I think probably Eberron the uh, Eberron's uh, book, um, they did not list artists in the next to the pictures or anywhere they listed them just in the back of the book like they contributed to this book uh -huh. um so i don't have all of my art cited um Wait, so you, it, you look at you looked at old art 
No, I looked at I looked at the books or, or looked at the Oh, you're saying prior book. to the current Eberron. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you meant prior to the inception of Eberron. No, no, they used to have it in all the books. Yes, uh, the sorry. artist would sign their shit and it'd be great. No, right. No. Nowadays, um, yeah, I only looked at fifth edition books. Um, yeah, so a lot of the things that I brought up or have in my little document uh don't have artists cited. So if we post anything and you know the artist, please let us know who it is. Uh, so you second... up... oh, okay. Ooh, sorry, yes. Second point, oh, real fast. Second point. Yes. Uh, my my lovely co-host and I are going to be definitely coming at this from two different angles. One, he is an actual artist who has studied art and understands art, and I am a simp in every sense of the word when it comes to art. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. I I, I don't like like. I, never ever ever take me to a modern art museum i will just be annoyed and leave so but hopefully tyler's going to turn me on to some shit here and we're going to have a good conversation your first two points are very similar to my first two points <laughs> because i wanted to reiterate how how absolutely annoying it is to not have the illustrator listed mm-hmm. next to their work in the fucking books it's in the credits at the beginning there's just a chunk illustrators and it's their names alphabetically it's so challenging then to pursue a work of art or a style of art that you like you want you love it you want to buy prints of this work you mm-hmm. want to support this artist you're like i fucking have no idea yes. who made this thing so i sent you a link and this is for everybody who cares there's a a guy on twitter um named kato katonian it's probably not his real name k-a-t-o-k-a-t-o-n-i-a-n who bothered on a blog one inch square.net to catalog almost every monster in the monster manual with the relevant illustrator, if he could find it. There are some he couldn't find. Um, but what did the legwork? Because I was trying to find the artist for some of these things. I was like, fucking kill me. And this yep. person does a great blog post about it, puts the page number, puts the image, puts the artist. Um, so if you're looking for that kind of resource, that's that's I'm going to post that on Twitter as well. Maybe tag him and, and thank him because it's from a couple of years ago. It's 2017, I think, when he did this. That would be helpful um, for some of the ones I have. Yep. It's very helpful. I sent you the link if you want to try mm-hmm. and look at it. But um, I, you're my second. Your second thing. Yes, I am a visual artist. I have my bachelor in fine arts and my master in fine arts. I went to art school, but I am not an illustrator, right? Illustration, contemporarily, since you know in in the in the 2010s now it's such a unique branch of art making that other like artists in other fields myself included we barely we seldom go into that because it's 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 like its own um solipsistic universe of skills and references and artists and teachers and jobs and everything um, like, cause I, like even me, I, I got my BFA in drawing. I started in drawing. I can't illustrate like these people can, you know, I could, you could draw a hyper-realistic face or whatever, but I can't do what these people do. It's a totally different skill set. You also okay? can't paint minis. So there's that. I fucking, oh, I'm much, I, you're right. I couldn't, I am much better at that now though, but I still would rather not paint my Dark Souls <laughs> minis because I would ruin them. Yes. <laughs> um, so the illustrator has a very specific job in this case because these things that they're making are not real right unless it's like a human obviously so every time they make something they have to answer that question of okay where on the line do i put this does it exist in reality is it a hyper realistic 
biologically believable thing or is it on the other end like abstract colors and shapes right so um when i'm th- when i'm asking myself this question when i was taking my notes i was thinking about rebecca gway i think that's how you say it who mm-hmm. did old magic the gathering illustrations mm-hmm. um if you if you look up like her you know her name for like dark ritual or priest of titania um they're these very stylized very soft paintings of these things that were so unique mm-hmm. and so cool and just absolutely not what illustration looks like today at all and that was in the 2000s like early 2000s and we've come so far away from that which is not to say good or bad just we we're we're not there anymore so um, that's what you were looking for when you were trying to find pictures to talk about no, I have plenty of other pictures to talk about. That's just the first thing that I think of. Like, because when I was a young teen or child looking at Magic the Gathering art and D&D art, I saw those kinds of things. I was like, man, this is fucking cool. Right? But um, for this episode, I was I actually looked also at the Art and Arcana book, mm-hmm. the visual history of D&D BS. Mm-hmm. Do you know who wrote the foreword for the book? Uh, I is you you see it now. I should know it. it, it Matt Mercer. No, Luke Joe Gygax. Manganiello. Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello wrote the foreword for the book and talked about his experience playing D anD D in the eighties and like his experience seeing the covers of these books and seeing these illustrations and things and how it's just like in in enraptured by this shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually very interesting. Well, I didn't read the whole thing. But there's a lot of content in there. It's very very interesting. Um. So some of that I do want to talk about before we get into like fifth edition stuff because it's relevant. Like, like, uh, hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up. Page two hundred and thirty-two of Arden Arcana has this different depictions of a red dragon throughout history. All right, can you see this? Yep, yep, you're good. Is this amazing? Mm-hmm. Right, this goofy ass dragon from 1974. And then, like, this idiot from 1977. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the year 2000 is really where we're like, this is what dragons look like. Yeah, I, I know that dragon. Right. This is what dragons look like. And now we're up here in 2014. Like, okay, that that is this dragon in a world. Mm-hmm. Right? We've made We've successfully made a world. So when I'm looking at this book, I was looking at Art and Arcana. I was looking at that sort of stuff because dragons, like just starting with dragons, right? They have this definitive style. Mm-hmm. Um, they they look kind of feline, right? With long necks and wings. They have a set tone for what they're supposed to be. Look, if you think, even if you think of things since two, since third edition D anD D, like Reign of Fire was a horrible movie with dragons, um, or Game of Thrones had dragons, or even the Harry Potter movies. All those dragons are very visually similar. Mm-hmm. To what D and D established as this is a dragon. Yes. However, not to say that D and D like to say this is dragons, right? Uh, I was looking at things right before that. Uh, you know, nineteen ninety six, fantastic movie called Dragon Hearts. Do you remember this movie? Of course, Sean Connery and Dennis Quaid. <laughs> yes, comes out, and Draco the dragon looks like a poppet of a dragon, mm-hmm. but it's still kind of there, right? Quadruped, serpentine kind of feline, but a goofy looking face. Um. Or even like Spyro the Dragon, 1998. Classic game. Kind of dragony shaped, right? Mm-hmm. So there was already these bones. But I think D&D really said it with their illustrations. And now that leads me to my first fifth edition one, which I wanted to see if yeah, maybe you you got it. 
the cover art for Rise of Tiamat. So I did not use any cover art because uh, my, my rationale was that the cover art's going to be the best of the art because why else would you put it on the cover? So I assume that all cover art is really cool. I don't agree with you on that last statement, but I covered, a, I talked about a couple cover arts. Yeah, go ahead. Because this, yeah, we pull it, go just Google it. Do the rise of TMI. Yeah, I, I know it. I know it. It is incredible. It's beautiful. It's atmospheric. The scale is fucking huge. Those dragons feel like they're in space, right? They feel like they exist in a horrible place. There's that little tiny person right in front <laughs> of her who's like not even the size of the red dragon's mouth opening, you know? Yep. It is a beautiful work of art by, let's see who did that, Michael Comark, whose work feels like that. Very, very atmospheric, very big, very powerful. Um, and I just, that's, that's what you expect from a D&D illustration now. Mm -hmm. Something that's like this caliber, beautiful. I mean, I have some silly ones listed on here as well. But that's so, where I was starting, was things like this. So, yeah. So, again, me, the simp. Uh, I, I, I like... Simp the right way or simp a simpleton? I, I, am, uh, I am a simpson. Um, but uh, I love art that's just epic and fun and really, in my opinion is at the heart of what D&D is. And that's an adventure. That That's what I look for. Uh, I do have one that I just fucking love. It has no, It's not epic at all. It's simple and silly and stupid, but I fucking love it. And yeah. Um, here, I'll go, I'll go ahead and do that one real fast. What is it? Uh, can I? I'll, I'll share my screen. I don't know. Yeah. Can you share screens? Yeah, of course. Uh, my entire screen. Uh, yeah. Um, choose what I'd like to share. Share. All right. Can you see yourself? I can see clearly now. Okay. The rain is gone. So, not this one. Okay. Oh, now, not that one. Nope. That one. Mechanist. The, the picture the that they use to describe Mechanist. Is so funny. So goofy. So cute. So fucking wonderful i love is it is that really the i have not i don't even remember that image Hold go on. to the dmg go to chapter two and look up in the other world section uh mechanist and that's the picture that comes up uh do you happen to have a page number no no because everything i do is on dnd beyond they don't use page numbers chapter two uh it's near the end worlds, near the end okay i'm gonna have a page number for listeners so you can see how, and I'll, we'll try to post this as well outer planes is in the outer planes somewhere yeah because so far everything in this section is very epic very yes. colorful yep very scenic it's all okay and then page number 60 66 there's this illustration at the bottom of the page <laughs> of these dumb looking modrons that look like a DD party they, exactly they're little Mechanist D&D party. One's got a sword and a shield. One's got a wizard hat. One has like a, a headlamp and a mining pick. The other has a fucking net. Yeah, one you can the, the one with the net and the scope is definitely a druid. Or an, a naturalist of some kind. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little Modron D&D party, right? The things that occupy mechanists, those little creatures. It's wonderful. Which actually is amazing that you share, share that with me, right? Because I have a little section of my notes about... um 
silly illustrations mm-hmm. um, that were like, they just, they made me laugh. Uh, the Modrons in the, in the monster's manual by Julie Dillon. Let me, um, yeah, here I'll stop sharing. Page 225 of the monster's manual. Mm-hmm. Good they're, stuff. They're, they're more advanced drawings of what you obviously just included there, but they look so goofy. <laughs> <laughs> they look so silly. They're like, a child's cartoon made into a proper illustration, right? They're just having they're fun, just, living their life on mechanism. They're supposed to be these, these simple machines with arms and legs. <laughs> and they, like, I don't understand. The one that looks like a cube with a clockwork gear in the middle of it, it has, like, a human lips. They have human lips on these machines. Sometimes they do, yeah. Why? Because. Why? <laughs> what if Modrons were one of us? They actually, they remind me of Minions. What if Modrons were one of us? Little no? little one-eyed Kevin. Oh yeah, banana. Banana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that is how that's how they talk in any time you guys encounter them from now on. They talk like fucking minions. Ooh, I did have one other one that I just put in because it made me happy and it's not okay. epic or interesting or anything. Okay. Uh in Volo's uh, The Bestiary, Chapter 3, the flail snail is just a wonderful oh. creature. Yes. I just love Ab- it. It's absolutely. wonderful. I'm going to go to The Bestiary so I can pull it up. But anytime anytime you get monsters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, any, like, weird, like, any weird proper monster, not just, like, an elf, you know? You've got to really do something special to it. Yes. You absolutely I- do. I only have one other monster on my list. Um, everything else is more epic artistry. Um, I really love the idea and the design of the uh, Horizon Back Tortoise, which can be found in Wild Mount. Oh, hold on. Flail Snail is page 144 is what that looks like. Most tiny faded. Yeah, 144 in Uh I don't have the Wild Mount book. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. What am I, where am I looking at? It's in the bestiary uh, in the back. Uh, Horizon back tortoise. Herzenberg turtles. Uh, I wish you had page numbers for me. Well, that's not how D&D Beyond works, baby. I know, but like... Horizon back tortoise. Oh, wow. Look at that thing. Right? Incredible. Page... 292. Of Explorer's Guide to Wildman. That's incredible. That's a, it's a, like a little village on a turtle. Yeah, it can hold up to 20,000 pounds. Wow. So goblins nice. just build cities on them. That's that's adorable. It's huge. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's you know, turtles all the way down, man. <laughs> but this style of illustration is what I'm talking about. You know, if you look at the flail snail, go back to the flail snail, and you look at it and you go, wow, that's that biologically looks like, if I encountered that, that's what it would look like, right? Yep. This isn't a stylized version of a, sla- a flail snail. This is a biological illustration of a snail. You know, somebody who went to biomed illustration at a school drew this. Um, whereas the horizon back turtle, like, well, they've taken some graphic liberties with this. Maybe it's not that sharp. Maybe it's not that color. Maybe the village doesn't look like that. It's not like a biological rendering. It is stylized illustration of a rendering. But they're both still valid and cool and great for what they are. Um, so there was, I think the... And I think this is almost said word for word in the Art and Arcana book. There's one artist who has a very definitive style who's still making art today and made basically all the art that defined Eberron was an artist named Wayne Reynolds. 
um, and still illustrated a million things in the Wayfarer's Guide to Eberron. But anytime you see something that looks like sharp and high energy and very directional, those illustrations are Wayne Reynolds' illustrations. He's basically the one who said, this is what Eberron looks like back mm -hmm. when we originally released Eberron in the 2000s and still to this day is working on it. Um, and it's not, it's not like the greatest, most hyper-realistic illustration you've ever seen, but it's so definitive. Like, oh, that I can tell exactly who made that. I can tell exactly what he's going for, right? Yep. Which is part of why I loved his work and why I love some, a couple other cover arts I want to talk about. One should which is we, very very popular. Should we take a break and then get into this? I want to, I want to do just these. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know we're not going to get to dice today because I have so much. Yeah. Right. I, I I talked about two of the like twelve pictures I have. Okay. We're not going to make it to dice today, unfortunately. But we're going to talk about art. Um. Um. I'm going to talk. I want to have a couple cover arts. <laughs> okay. We'll get to get to it after You're the right. break. Yeah. We'll take a minute because we're very excited. I'm very excited about art in general. Um. And we'll come back and keep talking about this. I hope you people are enjoying it. Okay, hi, we're back. Hello. We're not we're not gonna make it to dice, although I have plenty to talk about with dice. Um we're still on illustrations, illustrators, and artwork. So I was about to get into cover art, but did you want to do another monster before I did? Uh, I do. I have any other monsters? Um. Oh, oh I do in have book illustration. Yeah. So all of my things are in book illustrations. Um, one other. It's not even a monster. It's just it's part of like the uh, monstrous section. Uh, in Theros, which by the way, Theros has a lot of great images. I had a hard time a lot just of picking beautiful a few. work in there. Yeah. Um. In chapter six, uh, the Archon by Chris Ron, because uh, I actually finally put names next to the pictures. Um, it's this beautiful, just celestial, like, Pegasus mixed with a fucking snow tiger and this badass lady riding it with a fucking massive sickle just Archon riding into star. fuck shit up. I love it. Oh, my God. Oh, no, Archon, the Ashen Rider. Yeah. Yeah, that's sick as fuck. That, that gives us that gives a sense of adventure right yes there, right i mean the all the illustrations around that the two-headed cerebus the the illustration immediately before that next to archons on page was that mm -hmm. 212 212 those those look like oh man that'd be sick that's what my character should look like exactly that's what i want my character to do that's what i want my character to be so I want to return to a point. You said you're looking at all of your images on D&D Beyond. Yes. For a lot of this. Mm -hmm. You know what D&D Beyond should do? What? Put the names of the illustrators next to the images. They, they definitely should. Because everything it, they do is, I believe, uploaded specially. That's why you don't get page numbers. Um, because everything they do links to the rest of the site. Like if you go into the monster manual, it doesn't just go page by page for the monster manual. It links to all of the monsters and their own page. Right. This and all the images are on there. Yeah. Why not fucking link to the artist who made them? Time is money, baby. Time I'm is mad money. About it. I'm mad about it. So excuse me. I have a couple more individual images, but I uh, I guess and you know what? Oh, you're right. I will do cover our illustration kind of last in this section. Okay. Because there's a couple more that I loved. 
some of them I love just because they're super cool. Like the Ogre in the Monster Manual by Mark Brem and the Death Tyrant, right? Are like the Classic. really lovely images. Um, but one that was really just fun that stood out to me were Mephits. Um, okay. By Rich- Richard Witter. Uh, or I just closed my, actually closed my tab. On page 215, there are these ghoulish, goblinish looking little elemental creatures. And the way they're drawn channels this like mischievous, evil energy, right? Okay. Yeah. We're looking at methods. And I think that it, that's something that's kind of missing from a lot of illustration contemporarily is this because it, it, it looks uh, so epic and it looks very environmental. It doesn't necessarily have that sense of character to it like Wayne Reynolds does or these little methods. Like the drawing itself doesn't convey the attitude of the thing. So if I look at I'm kind of I'm kind of accidentally bringing up cover art, but if you look at the cover of the DMG um, and that's Aserac, is that right? Yep. Lich? Yep. Um, he just that's what a lich looks like. Right? It it does the, the illustration itself it's about the content. The content looks spooky. The drawing doesn't look spooky. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because um, we've seen a million images of Aserac throughout history, and he's looked more or less like this. And, uh, and this was really an opportunity to make a cool, spooky image, but instead it's just a really great illustration of a lich. Right? Mm-hmm. Some of the images I found, like I put, I put the Modrons in there as goofy, right? But one of them that I want to talk about again, I'm in the monsters manual because that's where I did a lot of my um, image pulling. Cause I love those is the Cyclops. Okay. It's understandable. It's this Thomas Giarello, page 45. This goofy looking <laughs> strangely illuminated. This big muscly Cyclops, right? Mm-hmm. It, it looks silly. It looks Herculean. looks big. Uh, I think they did a good job of showing what a Cyclops is, but I think the drawing makes it look funny. Like like um, infantile or cherubish or cherub, cherub, cherubish, right? Oh, cherubish. Same, same time, Thomas Giarello, guess what other creature in the Monster Manual? I'm sorry, wait, no. It wasn't Thomas Giarello. Who it? Oh, I'm sorry. Another creature I want to talk about that was also goofy, looks kind of like that, was the Empyrean. I don't remember um, that one off the top of my head. Uh, page one thirty. It is one of the celestials. Okay. I'm gonna share my screen with you in case, or you, or could you just pull up and D I'll look it up. Empyrean is blue. He looks like soft and and squishy, but muscly at the same time. Uh, I think it's just kind of a silly, goofy illustration. Um, it doesn't feel epic, right? And the artist who did this, I can't remember the artist who did this off the top of my head. I'm gonna pull it up. Corey something. Corey Trago Erdner did another illustration of the book that absolutely does feel epic. Oh yeah, this um, guy. Oh yeah. The the wussiest looking celestial ever, but he's, he's a badass. A wuss, that's the perfect way to put it. He's a wussy looking celestial, right? So Corey Trago Erdner, the illustrator, does it he does a couple other illustrations of the book. One of them is very important. I'll give you one guess. It's it's the most arguably the most important non-dragon monster. Uh, the flump. The Tarask is the oh, answer. Okay, yeah, no. Same probably, guy. Probably should have said that. Same guy did the Tarask. Well, he just wanted to show his range of versatility. I think that must be the case because the Tarask 
feels deadly. Oh, yeah. Well, I like mean... That. Look at the thing. I actually... I was reading an article the other day um, about the Tarasque, and the image they used for it, I'd never seen before, it was... It was rough. I mean, I'm like, oh, I don't want to run into that. Just like, just imagine like the Trask with like more and crazier looking spikes, just like all over it, just coming at you. It's very easy for me to imagine a more deadly Trask because I recently made one. Mm -hmm. I, I posted on my Twitter and I read it. The Trask goose. Yes. It is a Trask with a goose head. Honk. It is <laughs> it's much more deadly than the normal Trask. But oddly, much less deadly than a normal goose. <laughs> um, all right. Do you have any other ones you want to talk about before we get into cover art? Um, big ones uh, that I thought were really cool. Um, uh, let's see. No, no. Oh, uh, actually, a lot of great shit in uh, in Wild Night. I brought up the the tortoise, but there were th there were two other great ones. But the one that I really 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 love and i sent you i emailed you my document but i'll share my screen just so you can see it right now uh bam 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 suck it it's oh, essentially wow. an illustration of the calamity and it is okay. just artistic and gorgeous and just epic in every way and this is what i'm talking about this is an illustration that feel that the style the medium is the message, right? The style mm -hmm. conveys what's happening. This is like the thundering moment of reality. Uh, yeah, right? The, the, the sky is lightning and purple and orange and blue and the ground is black and red and lava and quakes. And it's just, it's done appropriately for what it's showing. Yes. And it's absolutely fantastic. And these two, these two warriors are just wielding these fucking... The massive shield and axe. The other guy's got a huge scythe. Like it's just so fucking badass. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a simple weapon that's two-handed. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, let me see. I think there was. Yeah, we can. There were a couple. Uh, the Mad Artificer in Chapter Five. Oh, I of, haven't even, I haven't even seen that. Before. Of Wild Mount. It's pretty that's cool, incredible. right? That's incredible. Chapter Five. Yeah. That's a great image. Yes. Yeah, it's huge too. It's a very big image. Um in Theros, uh the Stars of Nyx by Tyler Jacobson, I think it's just very I, I like I'd put that on a wall and it's just I, nice to look at. Yeah, Tyler Jacobson did the cover of the um player's handbook. Yeah, that makes um, sense. I think it might have been the Monster Man, but he did he did the cover art and I'm pretty sure that image is a Magic the Gathering image that I see it. I, oh, totally. I mean, anything out of Ravnica or Theros probably is an MTG image. It's fucking mad artificer. Um, and then finally, there was a divine intervention in Theros that I, I loved. I thought it was just gorgeous. It's in chapter four. It's by uh, Magali, and I apologize if I messed up. Magali Villanueve. Uh, Villanueve. And, and it's just, you know, you're fighting... Uh, uh medusa and you're just a classic roman warrior and the gods of both are fighting in the sky while they're fighting it's just it's nice it's very nice beautiful yeah that's right. a lot of great art well again magic the gathering illustrators are the same people right yeah. they work for D D. 
and then and Tyler, Tyler Jacobson actually there was a I was listening to it there was an old D and D podcast episode interviewing him about his cover art illustrations um, that I you can, can find on the Wizards website. But it was I think this is before Dragon Talk was their podcast. Um, so speaking of stylized, my cover mm -hmm. arts. Uh, I think we all know where I'm going to go with this. The alternative cover art for Xanthars. Have you seen this? I am about to. Go ahead. Uh, I can share it with you, or you can Google it. Are you Googling I'm, I'm it? on it already. It is this beautifully graphic image of Xanthar's ah, yes. fish, right? Yes. The two fish, and then eyeballs all around it. Mm -hmm. And this is by an artist uh, who's credited as Hydro74 in the book, but his real name is Joshua M. Smith. He also did the alternative cover art for Rime of the Frostmaiden, if you've seen that. Um, and he's made a career out of doing this style. You know, he's made work for Lucasfilms and Disney and all these other products. You can go on his website and find out. But they all are very similar to this. And this is this is incredible. This is not what you'd expect for a D&D &D illustration. No. But it's so cool. You should look it's up so the cool. alt cover for uh, Volos. That looks fucking badass. Uh, I have an alternative cover for Mordenkainen's on my list. I have a Volos special cover art. I don't think I do. Can I get the fucking cover art, please? I do. I have the Mind Flayer cover art. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Yeah, fucking wild, right? It's it's the it's a totally it's a huge departure from what they were doing mm -hmm. before. Um, which leads me to the Mordenkainen's cover. Have you, have you seen the alternative cover? It looks like a movie poster. Go ahead and just share your screen with me. Hell, I'll see them all. How do I fucking share my screen? Present now. Thank you. My entire screen, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this is very exciting for you, this link, but I promise you can find these images on our Twitter. Okay, so this one, obviously, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But this is the one that. I'm ah, about. yes. It's so cool. And it's so not D&D. &D. It's not. It's like an Avengers movie poster. Or, or it's like another game altogether. You know, you might see this in like a Call of Cthulhu book or something. Right. These colors don't feel D&D. &D. The items don't feel D&D. &D. The, the font's not D&D really &D &D. at all. Yeah. And and then like this, these monochromatic silhouettes at the bottom of, I think that's supposed to be Drist and a bunch mm -hmm. of other characters. They don't. They don't, you know, they don't feel D&D &D at all. But it it's perfect for what the book is, right? Yes. It's, Mordenkainen's Tomb of Foes. It's his fucking book. All right. Um, I've got, we've gone through a lot. We have a lot to share, but I wanted to spend a minute at the end. And you say we could end, you should end yep, the episode. This yep, way. go get him. Uh, I'm going to keep my screen share up with you. And that is to talk about the fact that there are a lot of illustrators out there who are either just starting or not at the same level as those involved in D&D or Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro or whatever. So some are more or less obscure, but I wanted to share a couple people over the last year or so that have come across my screen and again i'm going to share these on the tweeter and can you still see my screen i can you're good there's one called sketch goblins very very popular on the internet how do i fucking go to the website please um who's made a career out of doing these very stylized portraits mm -hmm. of characters heavily heavily stylized where it's like almost like paper cutouts as characters. And they're just so fun. Oh, is that a little otter? <laughs> and they're just so fun. Like there's no one, there's no one making things like this. 
out there except for this person, right? <laughs> the, so lizard, getting, the lizard folk barbarian is wonderful. People are getting their characters commissioned by this person, Sketch Goblin. I don't know their real name, guy or girl or whatever. Um, and they're so they're so unique. They're so cool. They're so interesting. They're very mm -hmm. monochromatic, like very desaturated, like no bright colors, right? But they still they still have such personality, such character. Yeah, like this is something you'd buy like five of and put them like next to each other on a wall as like a it's gallery. Modern art. Yeah, it's yeah. modern art. Absolutely. Um, so today's one. Uh, Govi9087 is another one that I came across. Um, they're these really very illustrative character portraits that you can get. Mm -hmm. Reminded me a lot of an artist, um, a comic artist named Durf Backdurf. I don't know if you're familiar with Durf Backdurf. But he wrote, he wrote the book My Friend Dahmer mm -hmm. and write, wrote the movie, which came out, I think, last year. Um, along with a book called Trashed. And there are these great graphic illustrations. My friend Dahmer was, uh, he went, Durf Factor went to high school with Dahmer. Um, so it was about knowing him in high school. Well, that's creepy. And it's a little creepy. And they're very, very, like, aggressive illustrations, right? That this, that this Govi. And I'm just said. looking, these, these aren't all D&D. &D. I mean, that's a Krogan right no, they're there. they're not, right? Um, they're, they're, they're absolutely not. But they, you can still find a lot of D&D &D illustrations by this person. Um, another one uh, that's more like the style you'd expect is Vesco81. I don't remember if this person had a real name. This is someone from Serbia, Bulgaria. And their character portraits are just so cool. Mm -hmm. So cool. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Exactly, what you, exactly what you'd expect, right? This mm -hmm. is what a D&D character illustration looks like. And they're really well done. <laughs> I think that one was Odin from uh, that was Ian McShane <laughs> uh, so it was Wednesday from um, American Gods <laughs> so this and this is you can pay these are what's this an artist you can get commissions from right 50, 50 bucks for a sketch you go hit standard well how much is it let's uh, uh, call illustration 100 bucks 100 that's reasonable especially if you think that person's time is valued like $30 an hour they could do it a couple hours like these are really yeah. great yeah so I, I love these um Peter Lin is somebody out of Honolulu who's also done, doing very, like, what you oh, expect yeah. kind of illustration, oh, yeah. right? These I are, actually kind of like the liberties that they're taking, like giving the lizard folk kind of hair and tendrils. Like, that's interesting. Yes, these look really, really great. Um, I think there was, there was, there was more of his work somewhere. I have to click on portfolio, I think. Yeah, right. Some of these are just absolutely so cool. Like this, this happy looking witch with the hat with eyes. Come on. Yeah. This drow. Look at that. Look how beautiful that color is. So loved these. Um, and then my last one, which was the one I just came across recently on Twitter, um, was I think her name was Iga, but it's Igs on Igs on Art. I feel like th this. She does work for. She does a lot of critical role stuff because I feel like I've seen her stuff before. Probably. Because there's just so many great character illustrations. Um, the one that I saw, actually, I think I, it was this one. Oh, this, my. Oh, this yeah. This was a, um, corp, a commission done for a, a party. Like, a, a group of random players mm -hmm. paid her to do this. It is so great. Yes. So great. Uh, it's an illustration of, you know, the, the, the people, the players as characters at a tavern. You know, we've all seen that kind of image before. But nothing quite like this. It feels... Almost World of Warcrafty, you know, very D and D, very bright, um, very very happy energy to it. Oh yeah, um, that's gorgeous. Absolutely. I'd love to know what 
that cost because I would happily get something like that for. Oh, well, you group. contact her, Igzon Arts. Yeah, no, that's Twitter. gorgeous. Absolutely. Oh, but gorgeous. commissions are closed apparently, though, so never mind. <laughs> um, which uh, does have a Patreon, so maybe you can get like a pre-order. Yeah. So I just I wanted to share a couple of those, and I'm going to put those on Twitter again because there's just people out there who are just doing great, great work. And right? if aren't professionals, if you oh, are I mean, listeners, are not that. If you are listeners, know of others. You know, I'm always interested in that kind of thing. I have a portrait of a D and D group on my wall, so yeah, I don't I remember who did that. Actually, I should look that up. Probably, I haven't. You can share it on your Twitter, and I'll retweet it on ours. I yeah. haven't bothered to spend the money on that kind of thing, but maybe I might in the future now that I have more expendable income in my life. But mm -hmm. um, all right, we spent the whole thing on art. I didn't expect to do that. Hopefully, people appreciate it and look up all of these things because there is, you know, D and D is incredibly a game of of imagination and yet the actual physical art is so awesome yeah i know it's not a visual medium right but uh i think we can all appreciate the discussion around like the the images are very he they're heavily important to the whole thing mm -hmm. without them without them i think a lot of us would be lost yes a mind flayer wouldn't look like a mind flayer to all of us without the couple illustrations that we've seen absolutely all right, good episode. I think we'll we'll push, we'll kick dice down the road to the future because I have thoughts, thoughts, ideas, plans. I mean, metal dice? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, make sure to subscribe, rate the show wherever you found it. Follow us on Twitter; it's very important for this episode. Um, or feel free to send us topics you want to hear about at rwdpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, the the Twitter is rwdpodcast. Um, and send us uh your illustrations or things that you're working on or even if you're an illustrator like hey this is what i'm doing i'll i'll tweet about it yeah um, and as always i think we'll see you next time till then Bye.